You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. We're in the series this month of Lifting Up a Standard, and it comes from that scripture in Isaiah 59, 19. When the enemy comes in like a flood, the Spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. The Lord will lift up a standard against our enemies. But I actually want to ask you tonight, do you know what that standard is? Do we know what that standard is? If we don't know it, how do we enforce it if we know not of it? How do we we enforce something we don't know what it is? And I'm just realizing more and more And especially, maybe it's just with everything, with COVID and everyone coming out of COVID and all of that, I am realizing in the Christian faith, so many people don't know know that the the standard is that the Lord has set for us, the standard that the cross and the whipping post accomplish and set for us, every single one of us. I want to reference Hosea 4, 6, where it says, my people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. When he says my people, he's not talking about unbelievers. He's not talking about, when we are destroyed, believers, Christians, born again believers are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. So I wanna know, do we actually know what this word says? Do we actually know what is unacceptable for believers and what is acceptable for believers. If we don't know, how will we ever fully believe and fully have faith and activate our faith to see the miracles and the promises come to pass in our life? And I forgot to tell you, I'm coming in a little fired up tonight. I forgot. I meant to say that before I started so I didn't scare anyone. I'm not angry at you, I'm actually angry at the freaking devil right now. Because even in the last three weeks, I've had so many encounters with believers where their lives are being ravaged or have been being ravaged by the devil because they don't know the standard that they're to live under as believers. And so if I raise my voice and I look a little mad, I'm not mad at you. I love you a whole bunch. I'm really angry at the devil. I'm I'm angry how he's deceived people, how he's told people that the things in this book are not for them. So we're going to get some things done tonight. It's some righteous anger I have going on right now. And I I do want to say this, though. There is absolutely no judgment if you actually don't know the things are in this book. Please hear me correctly. Oh, my goodness. I don't want you to feel ashamed or feel judged if you don't know what's in here. Because I still don't know everything that's in here. I'm still growing and learning alongside of the rest of you. And I used to be one of those Christians that were being destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. So I'm coming to you from a familiar place, knowing what that feels like and knowing what it feels to live under the standard that God has set for us. And so I want to just share a little bit of my story tonight. But before I do that, I was reminded this morning at staff meeting uh, the power of when we hear something for the first time. How powerful it can be when we hear something for the first time, and especially when you're young. Because when you hear something for the first time, you actually have nothing else to compare it to. So kind of by default, it becomes kind of like a basic foundation of understanding around that issue. And unless we go and search it out and realize what's actually said, we could actually not knowingly believe things that are not in this book. 
because someone told us and we never took the responsibility to find out if that's actually what God told us, but we believe what they told us is true and now we base everything else we hear off of that foundation that is a lie. And so the enemy has been deceiving people because we've listened and we've learned and we've been taught, but we don't know. And so... I was that person, I was that person that really never read the Bible for myself for many, many years. I didn't read the Bible for myself and I grew up in churches that taught me and told me things like this. Things I'm gonna talk about tonight could be completely contrary to everything you've ever heard about Christianity in your whole life. So I just wanna give you a little bit of a warning that you may feel a little bit triggered but I just, I want you to lean in and I just want you to listen. That's all I'm asking. And listen to what I have to say and listen to what this book says. And then don't, at the end of the day, don't take my word for it. Go home and research it for yourself. Because if I can convince you of something, some, someone else can convince you out of it. So you need to know because this is what's going to remain in the end. So I grew up in very nice and very pleasant churches. Filled with people that loved God and loved people, and were doing the best they could to live this Christian life. But I was told and taught things throughout my childhood, and even into my college years at a private Christian college, and into my adult life that, you know, if you raise your hands in church, or if, God forbid, you fall over, that's not godly, because you're just drawing attention to yourself. I was told that sickness comes from God. And if you were sick, it was God's will for you. Or that God was trying to teach you a lesson. I was taught things like speaking in tongue was only for the early church in Acts so everyone could understand the gospel message in their own language. But somehow, even though the Bible doesn't say it, that it's no longer valid for the churches today. I was told that if you speak in tongues or have the gift or the baptism of the Holy Spirit or a heavenly prayer language, that it is actually demonic and ir irrelevant and should not be happening in the doors of a church. I was taught that Christians could not be tormented or oppressed by demonic spirits. I was told that women had no place in ministry. Whoops. And the list goes on and on and on, the things I was told and taught, but I never knew what actually was said. I never knew the actual truth. So I went through my whole life believing these things. So here I was in my mid-20s, attending a church with no power, being completely paralyzed by fear, overridden with insecurities, and and. Honestly, I was sick. I was sick. And every doctor I went to said, there's nothing wrong with you. The blood work shows nothing. You're fine. You're fine. You're fine. How many hundreds of dollars did I pay for blood labs? They kept telling me I was fine, but I knew I was not fine. I was completely getting depressed. I was hopeless. I had no, I had no peace because there was no answers to the problems I was facing. And I began to think prayer doesn't really work apparently. And so I was so thankful to God that it was around this time that I, uh, met some people that actually attended this church. And they introduced me to all of the things that were actually in this book. But my problem was, 
is that I wasn't really a big fan of this church when I, when I first came. Because I just told you everything I was told and taught growing up, and I actually believed it. So I was little, everything they did, I was against. And then I was also offended that everyone was attractive. I'm like, this is just not scriptural. Like, they should, like, wear um, potato bags and cover up, and ah, how dare they be attractive. And, and so I just had, I, I didn't like it here. I had, but here's the thing. I had such an internal war going on on the inside of me because I actually felt that the Holy Spirit was drawing us to this church. But then I was like, but no, it's a cult. They believe all these terrible things. Like, it was this war going on inside of me for six months, and I finally could not uh, just subdue that feeling of drawn, being drawn into this place that I finally said, enough is enough, God. I honestly feel like this church is unbiblical based on what I was told and taught, not what was in here. So, but I couldn't shake it. So I said, God, I need to know if this is you. If you really want me to go here, even though it's a cult, you need to make it really clear to me. And so I was serious. So for a week, I did a liquid fast. And I dove into the word of God. And my prayer before I did that was, Holy Spirit, squash any pride that is on the inside of me. Squash any need I have to be right. Lord, I want to know the truth. I pray you remove any scales from my mind, any ungodly beliefs, anything that is not in your word. And show me, show me the truth. And for the first time in my life, when I read that Bible, I would just cry and cry and cry for a week because it was for the first time I actually read it with, the, with my filter taken off and actually saw the truth and saw that there was hope for me, saw there was breakthrough for me. And for the first time in my life, I had peace knowing God could do it. I had so many questions though. But soon after... I was introduced to this church. I was healed, and I was completely set free from the spirit of fear and anxiety, and my entire life changed in a moment. My entire life changed in a moment because of the truth. So I wanted to, I'm not going to be able to unravel all of those things that I was brought up with that I actually believe a lot of you were probably brought up with as well, and that's why I really felt to share this message tonight. I can't unravel all of it, but I actually unravel a lot of it in a message I preached in July of 2019 called Triggered. Everything in this church triggered me when I came. And so if you are concerned about any of those things that I spouted off earlier, just go, just search our app and find that message triggered and that will help you. It will really help you. And so the few things I do am hoping to be able to touch on before we pray and minister, minister to some people is that the three biggest things that really changed me. And that was understanding what the word says about sickness and healing the reality of demonic oppression in a believer's life and how to deal with it, and the baptism of the Holy Spirit or speaking in tongues. So the first thing is healing. And I want to do this because I think sometimes it's we need to hear what the Word of God says before we can actually believe. And so the Bible says, so everyone's like, oh, well, if it's, it's God's will that you're sick. It's, you know, God, God gave this to you. So let's just see what the Bible says about that, what the truth says about that. So John 6, 38 says, and this is Jesus speaking, for I come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of his father, of, of God who sent me. John 5, 19 says, Jesus explains, I tell you the truth, the son of man can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. What the father does, the son does also. 
So if you wanna know what the will of God is, the will of our heavenly Father is in regards to your healing, all we need to do is look at Jesus. Because Jesus was God's will and action in the earth and he could do nothing outside of what God wanted him to do. So let's look at what Jesus did when he was on the earth. Matthew 4, 23 says, and he, Jesus, went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction among the people. Matthew 8, 16 says, when evening had come, they brought him many who were demon possessed and he cast out the spirits with the word and healed all who were sick. The scripture is filled. There's scripture after scripture and story after story in the Bible and it says Jesus healed all. Jesus healed all. Jesus healed all. Is it God's will for you to be sick? Well, apparently no, because Jesus was God's will in action in the earth and he healed all. And some of us are thinking, well, yeah, of course he got healed because Jesus is the one that prayed for him. Well, I got a scripture. Okay, so John... John 14, 12 through 14. So here it says that we can pray and get the same results that Jesus got. This is so exciting. Okay, most assuredly I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. The works that Jesus did, you and I will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father and whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. That the father may be glorified in the son. If you ask anything in my name, I will do it. As believers, we can do the same thing that Jesus did on the earth. And when we pray in the name of Jesus and we pray in alignment with the truth, we have the full weight and power of the cross and the whipping post behind us and backing us up. That's the standard. So when people say sickness is from God or it's God's will for you to be sick, I actually don't know what they're reading because they're not reading this. They're not reading this and they're not being taught it. God cannot give you something he does not have. And if it was God's will for you to be sick, if you prayed to God to be healed, then you're actually praying against his will. We don't have to worry and we don't have to be in fear because Luke 10, 19 says, behold, I have given you, believers, you and I, authority to tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. 1 John 4, 4 says, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he that is in the world. We are greater. We have more power and more authority over the enemy, so we do not have to fear. The standard is healing. Amen? Amen. And I understand that there's, there's people that don't get healed physically in their bodies on this side of eternity. And that's a really tough question to deal with in the amount of time we had. And not to just throw people off to another message, but my husband preached a message I'll never forget. I think it was in 2017 called Be Healed. And he explains all of the reasons. And, he, and it was just such a beautiful explanation for people who are really struggling with people that didn't get healed on physically on this side of eternity. So I would encourage you to fully dive into that message, but there's really so many things that can prevent someone's healing happening on this side of eternity. It can be unbelief, double-mindedness, negative confessions, word curses, generational curses, demonic oppression, spirits of infirmity that are not cast out. And, And to be honest, some people just don't want to be healed. We could be praying in faith, but in their heart, they don't want to be healed. We've prayed for people right over here that got out of a wheelchair. Uh, older man, he couldn't walk. He, he, the spirit moved, and he ran around the whole auditorium. High knees. He high-kneed it. 
around the auditorium. And then right after he did it, he sat back in his seat. And we went up to him. We were so excited. And we were like, oh, you don't have to leave with your chair. He's like, oh, no, no. I'm going to leave with my chair. We're like, why? You don't need it. And he's like, oh, I'm going to keep my chair. I'm comfortable in my chair. And in, in more conversation, we actually found out that him being sick provided everything he needed. He got the care. He got the financial assistance. He got everything he needed, his food taken care of by caregivers that were paid for by the government. So everything he needed was wrapped up in him staying sick. So when it came down to it, he didn't want to be healed. He didn't want to give up all the benefits of being sick was. If he only knew the benefits of what would have come to be healed. So no matter what you're facing, maybe you're discouraged, you haven't been healed physically in your body yet, but I need you to know the standards is healing. And as a church, we will fight and we will battle and we will pray and we will fast until that healing comes in Jesus' name. Amen. The second thing I wanted to point out was uh, demonic oppression. So for 25 years, I believe Christians could not be oppressed by the devil. I had no understanding of demonic spirits or demonic oppression or the influence that it could have in a Christian's life. Now, I will say that I do not believe Christians can be possessed by a demon because Ephesians 1.13 tells us that when we became a Christian, we were sealed in the Holy Spirit and we belonged to the Lord. But can we oppress? I say yes. And I'll get into this in a moment, but I want to ask right now, show of hands, if you are a believer and you have been delivered after you were saved from a demonic spirit or demonic oppression, just show of hands. Praise the Lord. Okay. So it's really hard to tell that person that you can't be oppressed by a demon after they've been saved because then you're invalidating every single personal experience of freedom. And so this is what I have found. That as believers, when Jesus came and we received salvation, we get saved but we're not necessarily set free from demonic spirits. When Jesus went around doing good, healing all who were sick, he always went out. He said, go preach the gospel, heal the sick, and cast out demons. He never sent anyone out to minister the gospel without also saying, heal the sick and cast out demons. It's actually a part of the salvation story. So getting delivered from demonic oppression is one-third of the gospel message. So if you've just been saved, you're missing out on the healing one-third, deliverance one-third. You're missing out on the fullness of the gospel, the standard, the standard. So think about this. You got, just got saved. You've been forgiven, washed clean, fresh start, new creation. But all the, those sins that were forgiven still have residue So those sins that you committed still invited demonic spirits and oppression into your life. Those traumas you experienced where those spirits of fear entered, those uh, that abuse that happened that maybe invited spirits of perversion or spirits of death or suicide, those things still exist. And so so demons cannot be, um, they don't just leave willingly. They have to be cast out. That's why it says cast out demons. And so, yeah, we've been free. We've been saved and, and all of that. But we now need to go deal with the demonic oppression that's been with us since we were young. And so we need to get set free from that demonic oppression, and you do it by casting those demons out, and we have full authority over every demonic spirit. I thought I was going crazy. I thought I was going crazy. 
I was so overwhelmed with the fear and the anxiety. It was, it was debilitating. I could not function normally in my daily life, and I was getting so depressed. I knew nothing about demonic oppression. I thought you couldn't have demonic oppression because you're a Christian. And so I spent a decade of my life feeling paralyzed, and I had no idea that it was attached to something that needed to be cast out. I went to counseling, went to therapy. I journaled, and boy, did I journal. I did all the things, all the things. And I even prayed, but I never knew to pray against the demonic spirits of fear and depression. So they never left. And it wasn't until I came into the church and someone told me that you can be demonically oppressed. All it took was one powerful encounter with an almighty God and I was completely set free. No more fear, no anxiety, no depression, uh, no insecurities gone. So I suffered needlessly because I didn't know about the power of God. I didn't know about the standard and what the word of God says. The Bible says, Ephesians 6, 12, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And I think so many of us have been trying to solve a spiritual problem with natural weapons and it will never work. It'll never work. What's going to work is the truth. What's going to work is a power encounter with an almighty God. What's going to work is taking authority over all the power of the devil and casting out those things that are oppressing your life. There are spirits of fear, anxiety, depression, death, grief, addiction, suicide, perversion, witchcraft, control, spirits of infirmity, all of these things, but they just need to be cast out in the name of Jesus. And do we need, and spirit of infirmity, this is a new one for a lot of people to understand. And so in the Bible, how do, how do we know if we're sick or if we have a spirit of infirmity? Because there's actually two different experiences in the Bible. Because sometimes when Jesus encountered sick people, he said, be healed, get up and walk. And then other people, he went over to them and said, I cast out that spirit of infirmity. So, so those people that got, when they were healed from their physical ailments, they didn't actually have a medical problem. They had a spirit demonic problem. And so some people are walking around trying to treat all these things with natural things, and it's actually a spirit of infirmity. And that's where we need to be able to discern which one it is, which one it is. We were in Tasmania, actually, a few years ago, John and I ministering at a church, and uh, it didn't necessarily operate in the power of God or the Holy Spirit, but really, really lovely people. And uh, we both shared a message, and then afterwards we prayed for a couple hours for people. The, over, the altar calls were just open, and there was just people, and we were the ones praying, me and John. And so we're just praying, 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 praying. At the end, uh, there was a very distinguished gentleman, older gentleman, came up to me in his suit, and people were telling me, oh, you know, his grandpa had the same cancer, then the dad had the same cancer, and then this had the same, and now he, the, he, the doctors are saying they can't help him, and he's going to die, and da, da. So it's like, that sounds like a spirit to me, like a generational curse, a generational spirit of infirmity. And so he came up, and I, and he told me, you know, how everyone in his family had died from this, and no matter what they do, nothing, none of the medications work, and this and that. And so I just said, oh, I, can I actually pray for you? And so the second I said, in the name of Jesus, I come against every generational curse and every spirit for me. This guy started manifesting, this distinguished older man in a suit, his wife goes running out of the building. He crumples up like a, a ball and hits the ground and he is screaming, just with not humanly screams. And, and so everyone is running out of the room now, but I'm like, I'm not leaving him sick. I'm not leaving him oppressed. So I just finished the job. And so, so I'm, 
casting these spirits out and it took a little bit of time because those sometimes those suckers don't want to leave. That sucker had been with him from generation to generation to generation. The Bible says it can pass four generations. So I went after that thing and eventually he sighed and it was like he was asleep and he was, his face was on the carpet. And I knew he might feel a little embarrassed because I knew he had no idea what just happened. So I got down on the carpet and I put my face on the ground and I waited for him to wake up. And I was just kind of praying gently over him. And, and when he, his eyes kind of fluttered, you could tell he was so, he's like, why is my face in the carpet? And, I, and I'm just right there, I was like, hey. I'm like, how are you feeling? You feeling good? And he's like, what just happened? And I said, you just got healed. You're not gonna be sick anymore. He didn't know the standard. He didn't even know that there was demonic oppression. He had done everything and he paid everything to be healed and nothing was working because he was trying to medicate a demon. You can fully be oppressed as a believer. You just need someone with the authority of, that carries the authority of Jesus to cast it out. The standard is freedom from demonic oppression. Amen. 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 I have a few minutes left to tackle the most tricky one. And then we're going to pray. So I think this is probably one of the biggest ones that people come against as believers. The biggest one churches come against. And my understanding and my revelation of why that is, is because when you get baptized, so we use the language baptized in the Holy Spirit, receiving your heavenly prayer language, speaking in tongues, it's all kind of like the same thing. And so I think why they attack this particular gift so much, not a gift of healing. No one's trying to kick someone out of a church for praying for someone to get free of cancer, healed of cancer. No, no one's mad about that. But... But you know why the enemy goes overtime in attacking the one gift of speaking in tongues, speaking the Holy Spirit, having a heavenly prayer language? Because the Bible says in Acts 1 that, that when you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive power. So well, he doesn't need to waste his time on gifts of healing and prophecy and encouragement and all these things. He doesn't give a rip about that stuff. He doesn't want you to have power because when you have power, you know you have authority. And then he is in trouble. So why do you think there's such an attack on it? It's because it's the gift that gives power. And there's so many churches that have quenched the Holy Spirit, which the Word of God tells us not to do in 1 Thessalonians 5.19. So it's not a shock that there are so many powerless churches because they have quenched the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine telling God, hey God, we're so cool with you, love Jesus, but that Holy Spirit guy, yeah, we're not gonna, we're not gonna participate with him. Can you imagine saying that to Jesus, saying that to God, that we don't want the actual person that Jesus said, I've got to go be with my father. I've got to get out of here because if I don't go, you can't receive the Holy Spirit and you need him. He's the one that's going to help you. He's the one that's going to empower you. He's the one, it says, it is to our advantage 
when that Jesus went away to receive the Holy Spirit. And we think we can shun him. We think we can shut him out and say, you don't get to speak in church. When you read the truth, like I did so many years ago, I could have preached my face off against the gift of tongues. I knew it all. I knew how to twist every scripture, take it out of context, and I could convince you. But when I didn't want to be right and I wanted to know the truth, God showed me what his word said. Why would we not want the gift of the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Holy Spirit? The Bible says that when we pray in the Spirit, we have no idea what we're saying. And you're thinking, well, then what's the point? That's exactly the point. Because God doesn't want you to mess up the faith-filled prayer that he's actually praying through you. The Bible says the Holy Spirit prays the perfect prayer on our behalf. So we are not limited with our lack of faith or our unbelief or our doubts or any misunderstanding we have about the Word of God. We're praying in the Holy Spirit and he is interceding on our behalf, praying the perfect prayer. It's one system that God has that overrides. God, it's, it's God's overriding system to pray the perfect prayer through us so we don't screw it up with our limited natural thinking. Sometimes you don't know how to pray and you, and you want to be healed but you have so much doubt and unbelief. Pray in the Spirit. Pray in the Spirit. We have not because we ask not. All we have to is ask for the gift of the Holy Spirit, to be baptized with fire so we can have power, so we can pray the perfect prayers. The one thing that I wanna say before I end and open up the altar call for ministry is the one trigger point in the gift of tongues, speaking in tongues, is the scripture in 1 Corinthians where it talks about that if you're in church and someone's uh, giving a word in tongues, that there has to be one or two or two or three. I could, if I get back to my notes, I will say it properly. Um, yeah, that let there be two or at the most three people that have an interpretation for that tongue. So this scripture, so everyone's like, so, so they take that scripture saying, if anyone's speaking in tongues in church, if there's no interpreter, they are not being biblical. They should not be doing that. You need to shut that down. They are talking about someone. If I got up here and I was like, I have a word from the Lord. Everyone's like, okay. And then I just get off. They'd be like, what did she say? And the Bible says, and Paul says, that's pointless. Why would you do that? That's not fruitful. So absolutely, if someone gets up here with a microphone and says, I have a word and they share it in tongues and they get off, that is actually unbiblical if there's no interpretation. I fully agree. But if someone, if we say just pray in the spirit, we're believing for this miracle for this person and you are in your seats, you are praying. The Bible says you are not praying to man, but you are praying to God and you are praying the perfect prayers. So that person next to you doesn't need to give you interpretation because they're not talking to you. They're interceding through the Holy Spirit to a God that is able. It'd be as silly as asking my Romanian friend Anka if she's speaking in Romanian. I'm like, what are you saying? You're not supposed to be doing that. She's like, Ugh. like she was just praying to God. She's praying. I, I don't need to know her business. So they've missed, they've, oh, the devil has done such a good job deceiving people and twisting these scripture and taking them out of context because he wants to shut down the power of God. How many people do we have coming to this church from churches that said, I'm sick, but they don't, they can't pray for me. 
they told me this is God's will for me to be sick and something's not sitting right on the inside of me. I've been tormented with nightmares for 13 years and no one seems to be able to set me free. Well, we can. We can. Because we know the truth. We know the power of God. We know the standard that the cross and the whipping post established for you and for me as believers. So tonight, let's stand to our feet. Stand to our feet. That is the standard for you. And I wanna, we're gonna open up the ministry team. We're gonna have ministry team and lay pastors and leaders come forward. If one of these areas, you've, maybe you never knew about these things, just come forward and get prayer. Maybe you know you need to get prayer for healing. You actually need a miracle in your body. Or maybe now you're going, wow, it sounds like I have a spirit of infirmity. Come forward, come forward. If you need freedom from any demonic oppression, and if you wanna receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just a simple prayer that any of our ministers can pray with you. And you can be filled up and go out in power. You don't have to leave the same way you came in, amen? So I just wanna pray and then we're gonna open up the ministry. God, I thank you right now for the standard of the Word of God. I thank you right now for the standard that the whipping post and the cross accomplish. I come against every word that does not line up with your standard. And I declare right now those words will fall to the ground. Those words will leave their minds. Those words will leave their belief systems. And I declare a washing of the Word over their hearts and minds. A washing of the truth. A washing of the standard that you have given us. So God, I thank you right now for freedom. God, I thank you right now for healing. I thank you for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I declare right now this is a new day. This is a new day where believers will finally realize what is now considered unacceptable in their life and they will take a stand against all the wiles of the devil. And we declare right now, Father God, for a new day for the church. God, we pray for the church at large. We pray for the church as a whole, that pastors and leaders and believers would stop living under the lie. God, that we would be advocates of the truth, advocates of power, advocates of the standard to show people they don't have to be sick. They don't have to live tormented. They don't have to live without power. So God, I pray you would use each and every one of us mightily, Father God, so we can change this city. We can reach lost souls and we can set people free. God, I thank you right now for the mighty move that's about to take place in this room. I thank you, Father God, that victory is ours. I thank you, Father God, that healing is ours, that freedom is ours, and power is ours. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.